everybody, Jay Sannon here welcoming you to another exciting edition of the GBI show. That's right. It is Gridiron Betting Insights here on ATS. We got a very good show, I feel like. A lot of good information here on tonight's show. Of course, we are going to talk about week 17 of the NFL season. And of course, week 17 is normally the last week of the NFL regular season, but that is not the case this year. We have an 18-week schedule instead. So this is the penultimate week of the 2021 NFL regular season, and we will cover it all right here on the Gridiron Betting Insight Show, a show that, of course, will be running one more time this week. Then the Arizona Bowl. You hate to see it, folks, but uh, don't worry. The GBI show is still here for you. And like I said, week 17, going to have a lot to get to on the show 16 games on the schedule of course no bye weeks at this point in time we will cover it all uh we will also talk briefly about john madden in just a second uh and at the end of the show we'll do a little bit of reflecting on the year 2021 it has been a crazy year both in the nfl world and the sports gambling world but also just in the world in general in case you haven't noticed we will talk about all of that we'll even have a little end of the year new year's toast at the end of the gbi show this week you do not want to miss that of course before we get too deep into any of the business here on the show want to remind you ats.io slash gbi they gave me your good pal jay my own page on the ats website and i have decided to share with you in my infinite grace whole bunch of exclusive sports book bonuses go check them out uh sports illustrated i know their sports book is involved uh, we got caesars a whole bunch of reputable legal u.s sports books get your exclusive bonuses from yours truly support the people who support the gbi show and who support this big fat face giving you all the nfl information you could ever want while uh this week wearing a thad castle blue mountain state jersey you're welcome ladies and gentlemen that is ats.io slash gbi support the people who support the gbi show now we're gonna get to week 17 in the nfl in just a little bit but of course the big news this week was the passing of john madden the legendary nfl coach legendary broadcaster and of course the namesake behind the most popular nfl video game in the history of humanity that of course being the madden football franchise and john madden uh, listen i was not going to sit here and pretend like I was uh, I was alive during his great years as coach. I am not going to pretend like I was old enough to really appreciate a lot of his broadcasting expertise. I was still pretty young when he was doing the majority of his work. Uh, as I got a little bit older, he was on his way out the door doing his broadcasting work. But it's a situation where, of course, I, as a as a person who was a teen during the mid to late 2000s, uh, very much appreciated the John Madden football game. Now, I know that John Madden was not in the uh, digital creation laboratories there at EA Sports, uh, tweaking pixels and doing things of that nature. But uh, it was a documented fact that in the early days of the Madden football franchise, uh, he took the game designers to task. He said that it didn't look realistic enough. He, uh, he did have standards beyond just wanting his name on a football product. And it's funny, right, because I'm doing an NFL gambling show right here. I My entire life's work right now is sports gambling, whether it's actually doing it or creating content based around it. That is my entire world. And we'll talk about it at the end of that at the end of the show. I left a full-time job uh, at a sad law office to pursue sports gambling content on a full-time basis. And it's funny that John Madden, kind of got me my start in gambling. John Madden, his football game, uh, I was very good at it growing up. As a uh, as a high schooler who lived in a remote part of town and had very few friends, uh, John Madden football helped me get through a lot of lonely times after school and things of that nature. And uh, I was very good at the Madden football games. I was a top 100 player uh, in the world in one of those games. I think it was 2007. I was extremely good at it. And uh, in sports gambling, your job is to find an edge and exploit it to the tune of massive profits. Well, I did that in the Madden football games before I knew anything about sports gambling because I used to clean out my friends and then, you know, friends of friends and, uh, you know, sisters, boyfriends and what have you in the Madden football games, you know, just cleaning them out with uh, the Donovan McNabb Philadelphia Eagles with the uh, Dante Culpepper Miami Dolphins um again just exploiting the edges that i had in a game that most people thought they were very good at but it turns out 
uh, they weren't. So thank you to John Madden for helping me learn at a young age that if you have an edge, gambling can be good. It doesn't have to be gambling. It can be investing if you have an edge. And uh, I may not be where I am today without the football game that bared his name. Rest in peace to John Madden, one of the all-time great contributors to the game of football on the field, on the microphone, off the field, on your TV screen, whatever the case may have been, uh, certainly an all-time great in the football world. With that, we can move on to week 17 here on the GBI show. And, you know, we give out plays throughout the week, not just on the show, but at ATS.io. Monday nights, yours truly, uh, I sit down at my desk, I handicap the games, and I write eight NFL previews a week during a 16-game week. I do them all on Monday nights so you get the numbers nice and early and hopefully beat the closing line. Last week, those eight previews on ATS.io on Monday night went 7-1. and one. Uh, Things have been going very nicely with the, uh, the write-ups there on the website, and I hope that you're able to get a little bit of closing line value if you are reading those early in the week. And, of course, you know, we give you the thoughts behind the picks here on the show later in the week as well. But if you want the the earliest look on some of the games that I feel strongest about, Monday nights would be the way to get them. Anyway, those are going very well. I hope that this goes very well this week as well, both on the website here and on the show. Now, we're going to start out in the NFC East, my favorite division because of my undying loyalty, sadly, to the New York football giants, but we are not going to start with the giants in part to preserve my own sanity. We'll get to them later in the show. We are going to start out with the Eagles and the Washington football team, Philadelphia, a three and a half point favorite in the game, total 45. Of course, both of these teams coming off of lopsided games, one to the positive, one to the negative. The Eagles crushing the New York giants last week, beating them 34 to 10, uh, there was a defensive touchdown. There was an offensive lineman with a receiving touchdown in that game. It was an embarrassing game for my Giants. The Eagles, they played very well. Football team, on the other hand, they got demolished by the Dallas Cowboys, 56-14. to They gave up 42 points in the first half. It was ugly throughout. Now, this game, Washington, they host it. Their playoff hopes at this point, it's pretty much done for them. The Eagles, they control their own destiny in the wild card race in the NFC. Uh, Miles Sanders not playing this week for the Eagles could be a concern. I believe it's a broken hand, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, he will not play. Uh, Landon Collins on IR for the football team. Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel, both questionable. Tress Way, by the way, one of the great punters of uh, this generation in the NFL. He is on the COVID list, so we'll see what his deal is as the week progresses. But this is a game where I go with the Eagles. I understand Washington's at home. I understand it's kind of a square look. But you look at the way these two teams have been playing the last few weeks. Eagles averaging 6.4 yards per play their last three games. That ranks third in the league. Same time period, the football team averaging 4.2 yards a play. Only the Giants were stand the football team in that regard. Over a two yards per play difference offensively. Granted, small sample size during that time period. But one of those games was the Tuesday game just a couple of weeks ago between the Eagles and the football team. Uh, of course, the Eagles winning that game pretty convincingly. Also interesting, the Eagles defense really stepping it up over these last three weeks, giving up 3.9 yards of play. That ranks second in the NFL during that time. It did rank first, uh, but then one of the teams playing on Monday, I believe it was the Dolphins, jumped ahead of them by like a tenth of a yard just by shutting down Ian Book and the Saints the way that they did. Either way, Eagles playing really good football on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Washington, by the way, bottom five in that regard over the last three games, giving up 6.1 yards per play. Now, the Eagles, they come into this game, three straight wins by double figures. And yeah, you got to consider the strength of the opponent. I get that. Eagles beating up on the Jets, the football team, and the Giants over that three-week span. So not exactly beating up on impressive competition, but beating up on their competition nonetheless, including a game against the team they're playing right here in the Washington football team. I just like the way the Eagles have been moving the ball lately. Um, they've been a little bit more committed to the run than they were early in the season. And, I mean, it just works for them. It really does. And it has freed up some things in the passing game. Of course, Devontae Smith scoring a touchdown against the Giants last week specifically to upset me 
I don't think that they did that for any reason other than they heard the GBI show and heard me talking about how they should all be in Guantanamo Bay for tanking the way they did in week 17 last year. And, uh, well, here you go. They scored with Devontae Smith against the Giants, again, just to trigger me. This week, I think, you know, listen, week 17 last season, we saw the Eagles lie down for the Washington football team. I think with the way the Washington football team has been playing coming into week 17 this season, they will be laying down for the Philadelphia Eagles, albeit unintentionally. I like the Eagles. I gave it out at minus four on Monday, so, uh, you know, a half a point uh, worse number than you could get now. I think that the Eagles do cover the number, however, at a four-point spread or better at this point in time. Next up, we're going to stay in the East. Now we're going to move to the AFC East with the Jets hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the NFC South. Buccaneers 12.5-point road favorites, total down to 45. And it's a game where Tampa Bay, they're sort of in the race for the one seed. They, they need a lot to happen in order to get it. But I think that they're so much better than the Jets that they should win this game pretty handily. I'm not trying to lay 12.5 on the road, even if it is the Bucs against the Jets. We've seen the Jets play well at home a few times this season against superior competition. Instead, I'm looking toward the over as the best play in this game. If I had to make one, um, I don't love this Jets defense whatsoever. They are tied for the second-worst defense in the NFL in terms of yards per play allowed this season. The Buccaneers, of course, tied for second in the NFL in yards per play this year, averaging six yards of play. The Jets also one of the worst scoring defenses in the NFL this year. In fact, they are the worst scoring defense in the league giving up 29.9 points per game. And most of those games against opponents not quite as prolific offensively as the Tom Brady-led Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers are going to put up plenty of points, and it's going to set up a situation where the Jets will be throwing late in the game. They might get a couple of garbage time scores. I see this game going over the total. I gave it out at 46 on Monday, so again, we go the wrong way by a point in terms of the closing line. It happens. But look, the Jets, 60% of the time this season, they've gone over the total. Nine of their 15 games have gone over, and I think that continues here as I think that the Bucs continue to play well. They're coming toward the end of the season where they still do have an incentive to play. This is not one of those rest the starters type of situations for the Bucs. I think they come out, they play well. And if Antonio Brown plays, keep an eye on this. He is within range of some contract incentives if he plays well in the final two games of the season. Yardage, touchdowns, receptions, all in play for Antonio Brown. And I think we could see him potentially go off, even though he is questionable coming into this game. By the way, a few injuries on the defensive end for the Buccaneers, also worth monitoring if you are going to bet the total here. Uh, Shaq Barrett, he's on IR now. JPP and uh, Antoine Winfield. Both questionable for the Bucs. Murphy Bunting in the secondary is on the COVID list as well. So who knows? Maybe some of those help the Jets move the ball a little bit as well. But I do think that the over would be the way to go in this game. Now, next up, an AFC showdown that I am really interested in. I think it's going to be a really good game. And I am, of course, talking about the matchup between the Miami Dolphins and the Tennessee Titans. Now, Miami is a team that is on fire right now, right? They're absolutely crushing the competition. They have won seven straight, pulling the season out of the fire. They were one and seven coming into their, their what was it, their ninth game of the season. They haven't lost since. They're now eight and seven, and they control their own destiny in the AFC playoff picture. They take on a Titans team that's still within range of pretty much everything in the AFC, right? I mean, they've got a chance at the one seed still, and they still face competition behind them in the AFC South in the form of the Indianapolis Colts. Dolphins, three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road in this game, total 39-and-a-half, and I lean toward the Tennessee Titans in this game. I get it. Look, the Dolphins an amazing comeback story this year. I also think you need to put some of their wins into context, right? They just beat up on a Saints team that started Ian Book, not even Taysom Hill. It was Ian Book for the Saints, and needless to say, that did not go well. They beat up on the Houston Texans during one of those games during their resurgence, the Jets twice. Uh, they've beaten a lot of pretty bad teams in order to get back into the race, and that's not to take anything away from what they've done. In order to win that many games in a row in the NFL, it does not matter who you beat. 
it's still an accomplishment. But I think now on the road against a playoff caliber team in Tennessee who has A.J. Brown back, who absolutely went off in that game against the 49ers last Thursday, I think that the Titans, they do have enough now firepower-wise with Brown back to start moving the ball more effectively on offense. Both of these teams good against the spread this year. Titans 9-6, and six, Miami 8-6-1. and one. But I do think that Tennessee has what it takes here to get the job done. I would go with the Titans in what should be one of the best games of the week in the NFL, in my opinion. Next up, a game that is definitely not going to be one of the best games of the week in the NFL. I'm talking about the Jaguars and the Patriots. Jacksonville, 16-point underdogs. It is it has grown. Uh, Monday, we gave it out of 15. It is now 16, the point spread in Gillette Stadium. Total 41 and a half. I lean the Pats here. I'll tell you why. I mean, my numbers have this game around 30 to 8. I'm, you know, within range of the total, but it's showing the Patriots as a slightly better value. Don't love the idea of laying this many points, that's for sure. But what I will say the Jacksonville Jaguars have been putrid offensively, and I think that, if nothing else, would justify this play. Uh, Jaguars were scoring offense in the NFL, barely above 14 points a game for the entire season, and I don't think that gets better against a Bill Belichick coach team that got shown up last week in the battle for the AFC East against the Buffalo Bills. They frankly did not match up with the Bills the way that I think a lot of people expected them to. They were very disappointing in that game. And I think that this week, probably getting pretty fired up to take out their frustrations on this Jacksonville team. Patriots a half yard better on both sides of the ball in terms of their yards per play output this season. A ton of covid list situations developing here for the Jaguars. Cam Robinson, you got a couple of tight ends and Hollister and Arnold on the COVID list. Miles Jack, uh, Brandon Linder also, so a couple of offensive linemen on the COVID list for the Jaguars. I just don't think it's a good situation for a team that, even when healthy, worst point differential in the NFL at minus 179. And as if they're not a bad team, you know, as if that's not enough, all of a sudden the path is clear now. They control their own destiny, so to speak, for the number one pick in the NFL draft. And I think that is a huge deal because now they realize, listen, we just drop a couple of games here and we pick first and we can really start to try and build this thing around Trevor Lawrence. And I think that we might see them come out flatter than usual against the fired up Patriots team. Um, Again, I get it. You know, if you don't want to lay those kind of points, I understand. But I think in this case, it is warranted. I think we could see a real bloodbath uh, in favor of the New England Patriots in this game. Next up, we will stay in the AFC here on the Gridiron Betting Insight Show, or GBI for short, whatever is easier for you. Raiders, Colts, Raiders, seven-point dogs on the road, total 44 and a half. And the big story coming into this game is who's going to be on the field. Uh, We have Carson Wentz on the COVID list. He could return. We don't know that for sure. One of his top O-linemen, Eric Fisher, questionable due to injury so a couple of key names there for the Colts you got Darren Waller on the COVID list on offense you got KJ Wright Denzel Perriman Corey Littleton three impactful players at the linebacker position all on the COVID list for the Raiders and it's tough because again we don't know if we're going to see Carson Wentz or Sam Ellinger in this game that's a huge difference maker Either way, I'm going to lean toward the under 44 and a half in this game, and I will tell you why. The Raiders' last three games averaging 14 points per contest. That is not good enough in the NFL, and it kind of runs deeper than that, right? We talked about it last week. They had gone like six out of seven weeks coming into last week's game without breaking 16 points. Now, they did that last week. I think they scored like 17 against the Broncos. Either way, Another rough offensive showing for the Raiders last week. And yes, Indianapolis, they can be explosive if Wentz plays. They might put some points up in this game. But I think that they could be in a spot where they'd be content to run the ball, especially if Wentz is not able to play. We see Ellinger hand the ball off a lot. A lot of clock-churning drives. Jonathan Taylor strengthening his offensive player of the year case 
in this contest. I think we see a game where, again, the Raiders continue to struggle offensively. And, I mean, 30-14 to would get the job done in terms of the under. I think that the under would be the best play in this contest. The Colts, by the way, they are a win away from securing a spot in the playoffs, more or less. The Raiders, they're in one of those eight and seven log jams with like three other teams in the AFC. So it'll be really interesting to see how both of these teams come out, given everything that is on the line in the AFC right now. But I think the under is the way to go. Next up, another game of the week candidate in the NFL. I am talking about Chiefs Bengals in the AFC. Chiefs five-point favorites on the road, total 51. And this is a game where, here we go, I'm going to uh, do my issuing of a retraction. As last year, I spent a lot of time saying I thought Joe Burrow's career would be remembered as a bust when it was all said and done. I I did that. I used the B word and everything, bust. And uh, I was not correct, to put it gently, as he threw for over 500 yards last week. I've said it a few times throughout this season on the show that I do not believe I was correct about my characterization of Joe Burrow. But uh, last week further emphasized that, so I figured I would once again take ownership of a a very wrong prediction that was made on the GBI show in the past. Joe Burrow, clearly not a bust. And I'm going to go right ahead, and I'm going to lean toward the Bengals in this game with the non-bust Joe Burrow. Um, Here's why. The Kansas City Chiefs have been absolutely crushing it as of late, right? They have won eight straight games. They've looked really good in doing so. Um, The thing with that is that I don't think the statistical output of these teams justifies a point spread like this. They're really even in terms of their yards per play on both sides of the ball. I would argue that the Bengals are better defensively, even if the Chiefs have kind of picked things up over the last couple of weeks. Um, I also think the sense of urgency for the Bengals is going to be a little bit higher. I understand that the Chiefs are fighting to kind of preserve the one seed in the AFC, but the Bengals are just trying to hold on, not just to the division, but to a playoff spot. It is so competitive in the AFC North right now where, you know, a couple of losses here at the end of the season could kick the Bengals back into the wild card spots. And who knows? I mean, who knows how bad things would get from there? for Cincinnati. I don't think that happens because I think they potentially win this game outright due to the Bengals. We have seen Cincinnati, by the way, be very competitive against elite quarterbacks in their building already this season. You'll remember that game against the Packers at home where the Bengals had a million chances to win it. The Packers had a million chances to win it. Neither field goal kicker seemed to want to go home. The game went to overtime. There were more missed kicks in overtime. But the moral of the story was they did a pretty good job of getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers and not allowing him to get it to Devontae Adams at will, at least for most of that game. I think we could see a similar situation unfold here against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and I think we see a close game here either way. I would lean toward the Cincinnati Bengals in this scenario, plus the five points. We gave it out at 5.5, 5.5, earlier in the week on Monday on the website. Again, this is why, I don't know, I say this is why you should go to the website. And then earlier in the show, I talked about all the negative closing line value we've had so far by a point or a half point. Either way, we gave it out at five and a half on Monday. doesn't hurt to check the website on Monday. Maybe you get some CLV is all I'm trying to say. Next up, we'll go to the NFC. We have very AFC East Coast heavy start to the show here and uh, now we're going to go to the nfc and we're going to go to the uh, midwest giants bears in soldier field as midwest as it gets soldier field the unofficial capital of the midwest potentially uh bears at home five and a half point favorites against the giants total 37 and this is a game where you're like why are the bears favored at all against any team let alone by Five and a half points. And the answer to that question, ladies and gentlemen, is that the Giants are horrible. They are a horrible, embarrassing football team filled with horrible embarrassments. The Giants shut Daniel Jones down for the season not long ago. They said, okay, Mike Glennon, come on down. You're the next quarterback of the New York Giants. It went really poorly. Okay, Jake Fromm, you're the new quarterback of the New York Giants. Went just as poorly. Things have gone very poorly for the Giants since uh, shutting down Daniel Jones to the point where Daniel Jones is now seen as an upgraded quarterback. I didn't think it was possible, yet here we are. 
the Giants averaging 16 and a half points for the season. But over the last three games, they have averaged 12.3 points per game. You combine that with the Chicago Bears team averaging just under 18 points per game. And yes, while the Bears did play well last week against the Seattle Seahawks, I'm leaning toward the under in this game. We gave it out on the website ATS.io at 38 on Monday night. It is now down to 37. I still think that the under is the way to go here. You look at these two teams this season, the Bears, 9-6 and six to the under on the season. That is 60% of the time their games have gone under. The Giants, 9-5-1 and one to the under this season. That is greater than 60% of the time their games are going under the total. Four straight losses for the Giants coming in. And you got to wonder, is this the end of the Dave Gettleman era these last two games? Are these the last two games we see Joe Judge coach the Giants? I hope so. As a Giants fan, I really, really sincerely hope so. But beyond that, do they clean house? I mean, is Daniel Jones safe? Is anybody safe? On this Giants team, I just think that it's a disaster from start to finish for the Giants. We could see a team fail to score 10 points in this game. I think uh, that would not surprise me one bit. And I'm leaning toward the under in this game as the Giants season mercifully comes closer and closer to its end. And now for the sake of my sanity, we will get away from New York Giants talk. Next up on the GBI show, Falcons and Bills. Falcons 14-point underdogs on the road. Total 44 here in Orchard Park. And I lean toward the Buffalo Bills here. We gave it out at 14 and a half earlier in the week, so we did lose a point. I'm sorry, a half a point of closing line value. But it's a game where I think that the Bills, I mean, they got a huge shot in the arm last week, a huge new lease on life after beating the Patriots on the road, something we didn't know if they could go ahead and do. We knew they had the talent, but we didn't know if they had the ability to actually go and win that game and exercise those demons, especially after losing to the Patriots at home on Monday Night Football during that high-wind-impacted game where nobody could complete passes. It was really ugly. Bills scored in the 30s last week. Josh Allen passed a huge test for that Bills team last week. Give them a ton of credit. And now it's a question of can you take advantage and can you avoid overlooking this opponent? And it's a Bills team that we have seen overlook opponents throughout this year, by the way. I mean, that is a statement of fact, right? That is something that has certainly happened. They have overlooked opponents time and time again. The question is, can they avoid it this time? And I'm going to be honest, I think that the answer is yes. I think that they're going to win this game convincingly against the Atlanta Falcons. The Bills still number one in the NFL in yards per play allowed this season on defense. The Falcons with the fourth worst scoring defense in the NFL. So again, I think Josh Allen's going to be able to move the ball without a ton of problems. And I think that the Falcons, they will have problems moving the ball consistently as they have throughout this year. Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts, nice pieces for this Falcons team. But overall, I don't think that's going to be good enough against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills, by the way, 8-6-1 and one against the spread, which not a not a fantastic blow-you-away type of number, but you have to remember they have been favorites for the majority of their games, and they've still been clearing the number with some regularity. And you got to remember also one of those six losses, a terrible beat in overtime against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so their record could be even better against the spread if uh, Tampa Bay had even just gone and kicked a field goal in overtime. That would have worked out for Bills backers. But either way, impressive work against the spread by the Bills so far this season. Falcons, not so much. Six and nine against the spread. And you got to remember a lot of that as an underdog this season. Even with the points, they have not been able to clear the number quite as often as the Buffalo Bills. Bills riding high right now. I think that they are the way to go in this game. And, I, you know, hey, I get it again, just like with the uh, the Patriots. You don't want to lay this big number. I totally get it. But my numbers say that that is the way to go. And I am going to stick with those because uh, my numbers and my spreadsheets know a lot more than I do. I think that that's been made perfectly clear throughout the last few years in the NFL. So, folks, that's halftime here on the GBI show. We've made it through the first eight games on the schedule here in the NFL. We eulogized John Madden briefly. We've had a great first half here on the program. And halftime is as good a time as any to remind you 
Check out ATS.io slash GBI. Exclusive sportsbook offers for new players. Add a ton of legal U.S. books, uh, all curated and handpicked by yours truly. ATS.io slash GBI. Really, really short web address there. We've got the the whole the whole thing really shortened down for you. And uh, I hope you do take advantage of some of those offers that are available to you. I, I don't see any extra funds or anything like that. If you do, I'm not one of those people who's collecting on your losses or anything gross like that. That's not who I am. But uh, but some good stuff worth your time and attention over at ATS.io slash GBI. Now let's get into the second half of the show. And we're going to start with Rams, Ravens. Rams, four-point favorites on the road, total 46 and a half. I gave it out of three and a half earlier in the week. I like the Rams here. The Rams who have won four straight games against a Ravens team that has lost four straight games. And the biggest question to me, of course, coming into this game is what's the quarterback situation like for the Baltimore Ravens? It's been pretty ugly at quarterback. You've had Tyler Huntley replacing Lamar Jackson. You've had Josh Johnson replacing Lamar Jackson. Neither of those guys were terrible, but they lack the certain rushing ability that Lamar Jackson does. And of course, Jackson doesn't have that right now because he's dealing with a pretty severe ankle sprain situation. He did not practice on Thursday before this week's games. Uh, He's been seen limping noticeably. So that's a real problem to where even if he does play, he's not going to have the same mobility that we all know and love from Lamar Jackson. And that's a problem. I think that the Rams, on the other hand, they are starting to click offensively once again. They are number one in the league in yards per play game this season. The Ravens, meanwhile, dead last in the NFL in yards per play against. And you combine those two things, and that is certainly not a good situation for the Baltimore Ravens, who I think will falter here again as they are seeing their playoff hopes just sort of uh, wither away here, even though they are a part of that 8-7, and 14 log jam at the 7 through 10 spots in the AFC standings they are going to drop out of that pretty quickly unless their quarterback situation gets resolved. I don't think that happens here. The Rams, by the way, 6-2 and two straight up on the road this season, which I think is a big advantage for them. I think that they win this game. I think they cover the number, and I think that the Rams secure the NFC West title by the time the season is complete. Next up, another big point spread, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking Texans and Niners. Texans 12-point dogs on the road, total 44. And this is a game where I lean toward the over here. Um, The Texans just abysmal on defense as of late, allowing 6.5 yards per play over the last three games. That ranks dead last in the NFL over that time period. Uh, Both teams 7-8 and to the over on the season. I think they both get to 8-8 and here. Texans, by the way, talk about how bad their defense is, and it has certainly been bad. But we have to give a little credit where credit is due. They have averaged 28 points a game over their last three contests. Now, all season, we've been bagging on Davis Mills. Oh, they've been scoring in single digits with Davis Mills. 28 points a game last three games. And, of course, it helps when you get into a track meet last week and you win it against the Los Angeles Chargers. But, you know, they're at least starting to resemble an NFL-caliber offense there in Houston with Davis Mills as their quarterback. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Niners, they're looking to clinch a playoff spot here over the next couple of weeks. Um, They're currently sixth in the NFC, and they've been moving the ball nicely. And, I mean, just the the variety of weapons that they have, I think, is really important. The fact that they can use Debo Samuel in so many different ways to go along with guys like Kittle and some of the more traditional receiving options and rushing options, I just think it's really cool seeing their offense work the way that it has and, you know, even last week, right, they lost to the Titans, but they showed some flashes where I think they're going to be okay heading into the postseason. And I think that they put up a big number here against the Texans. And I think the Texans do their part as well. I think we see something like a, like a 30 to 20 type of game here where the Niners win it pretty comfortably. It's going to be pretty close to the number, but I do think that it gets over the total is the uh, most important thing. Next up, West Coast in the AFC. Broncos, Chargers, Broncos, six and a half point underdogs, total 45 and a half. 
And it's a game where I'm not super enthused about really any play. I mean, I would lean toward the Chargers if I had to make one. But I don't feel good about anything in this game. I, the Broncos are all kinds of banged up heading into this contest. Drew Locke is questionable, but he's expected to start. Teddy Bridgewater not expected to be good to go after a concussion. And then you have, I mean, just a laundry list of guys questionable for the Denver Broncos heading into this game. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, both of their two-headed running back system questionable for this game. Defensively, Kareem Jackson, Shelby Harris, Bradley Chubb, uh, Darby also questionable for the Broncos. Tim Patrick, one of their more impactful wide receivers, is on the COVID list heading into this game. And it's a situation where the Chargers, they're moving the ball nicely. Last three weeks, averaging over six yards a play. They're tied for fourth in the NFL in that regard over that time frame. The Broncos certainly struggling moving the ball, averaging 4.6 yards a play last three weeks. Not good. Tied for the sixth worst mark, sixth worst mark in the league, easy for me to say over the last three weeks. And, you know, huge disparity in scoring offenses as well. Chargers outscoring the Broncos by about 10 points a game over the last few weeks. Here's the problem for me. That defense of the Chargers is not very good. And even if I do expect the Chargers to win this game by a touchdown, I would not lay it with that Chargers team, especially coming off an embarrassing loss like the one they suffered against the Houston Texans a week ago. I think that game that could get pretty interesting to be completely honest with you. Next up, a game that I don't expect to get interesting at any point. Panthers-Saints. Yikes. Panthers, six-and-a-half-point dogs on the road. Total 37-and-a-half. And, I, I mean, I have no play whatsoever on this game. Not a single one. Uh, you know, the Panthers, I, they've been decent defensively in terms of their yards per play allowed, but they struggle at keeping teams off the scoreboard. They struggle to move the ball mightily. It's I think it's supposed to be Sam Darnold this week, I think, instead of Cam Newton. Either way, their best quarterback, P.J. Walker, is on the COVID list. I don't expect anything out of the Panthers' offense. And while I don't expect anything out of the Panthers' offense, I somehow expect even less out of the uh, Saints' offense. Ian Book last week was atrocious. At home, Monday night, a game that was pretty significant for both sides. And, I mean, the guy, he couldn't move the football. He couldn't do anything. He looked, you know what he looked like? He looked like a Notre Dame quarterback in the college football playoff. That's what he looked like. Like, oh, I'm finally facing a reputable opponent. I'm just going to completely forget how to play the sport. That's what he did. It was awful. I mean, even with Alvin Kamara, right? I mean, the Panthers this season, they haven't had Christian McCaffrey. So you can say like, oh, you know, there's an excuse there. They don't have their best offensive player. All right, listen, Ian Book had Alvin Kamara the whole time. Still couldn't move the ball. It was awful. Questions about whether or not this is Matt Rule's last couple of games as the coach of the Panthers. I don't think it should be. I don't think it's his fault, right? I mean, disastrous quarterback situation when he gets there. They're bringing Sam Darnold to try to fix it. That's not a good idea. They're bringing Cam Newton to try to fix that. That might, might be an even worse idea. He's had a disastrous roster, not to mention Joe Brady getting canned before the end of the season. You can blame Matt Rule all you want. The environment there in Carolina seems like a real mess. I don't blame him one bit, but I have no play on this game at all. That's a that's a disgusting football game. I wouldn't I that's gonna be a game where if it pops up on red zone, I'm gonna go do something else. I'm gonna go to the bathroom, I'm gonna go refill on chips, maybe grab a cold one. Anything but watching that game. If you have to play it, I mean, why wouldn't you play the under? It's a game that could end three-nothing. It could end a scoreless tie. Not a good football game. Watch it be 42-39 now. Now that I said that, watch me mush Panthers Saints into being a good football game. But uh, no thank you for me. We got a few games left here on the GBI show. We're powering through it, man. Last show of 2021, and we will talk about that in just a little bit. We'll do some reflecting on uh, on the year that was 2021 in just a little bit. But for right now, Lions-Seahawks, our next game up. Total 42.5 for this game. Lions, a seven-point dog on the road. I am, I am not enthused about playing this game either. Um, I would lean slightly toward the under, 
And my reasoning for that is just, I mean, Seattle's just not all that effective offensively right now. They played decently in the snow against the Bears. I think that weather like that, people always say it's going to impact the offense more negatively. But you got to remember, I mean, these defenders, they got to try and keep up with these receivers without grabbing on to them, without holding or anything like that. In those adverse weather conditions, I think sometimes that it impacts the defense worse than it does the offense, because at least the offense knows which directions it needs to move in to make the plays work. Whereas these defenders, I, my goodness, I, you might as well put them on ice skates out there at times when it snows and things like that. It's just not a good situation for them. But other than that game, Seattle has not been an effective team offensively. They are better on both sides of the ball than the Detroit Lions, but most teams are. Um, you know, and the questions here are really about tanking for both these teams. Should the Seahawks kind of go into tank mode and focus now on the draft, which is rare for them at this point in the year? Should the Lions, you know, stop playing so hard and try to uh, try to secure the top pick? I'm actually going to say no to that. I love what they've been doing with Dan Campbell. Even if they don't get the top pick, I feel like they're at least starting to build a culture that hasn't been there in Detroit. I mean, like the Jim Caldwell years were probably the best recent years for the Lions, and they didn't have this kind of identity. Like they weren't a tough team, at least now. I mean, that team is playing legitimately hard. You can tell that if they can put some pieces in place over the next couple of off seasons, that they'll be a respectable team sooner rather than later. Um, I would lean the under here. I I just don't like either of these teams offensively right now. We might not get Jared Goff out there again for the uh, the Lions. He's questionable with a knee injury. Um, if I had to go any direction, it would be the under, but I don't feel particularly strongly about it either. Now, our final kind of game of the week candidate this week in the NFL is going to be Cardinals-Cowboys. Uh, Cardinals six-point dogs on the road, that up from five and a half earlier in the week. Total of 52, and we gave up the over on Monday night at ATS.io at 51. So we are a point to the good here, and I think that we're going to see a high-scoring game here, folks. I really do. Uh, the Cowboys' last three games scoring 34.5 points per game. Of course, it helps when you score 56 in your last game against the Washington football team. I get that. But uh, on the road, the Cardinals scoring 30 points a game on their own. They are the third-best scoring offense in road games this season. Cardinals' defense, by the way, has not been impressive as of late, allowing just over 27 points a game in their last three contests. And heading into the playoffs, you know that's not good. Um, but I think the Cardinals are going to put up a fight here. Both teams are going to score points. The Cardinals 7-1 and one on the road this season, so you know they're not just going to roll over in this contest, but I do think that the way that the Cowboys offense has been playing, that's a team that could be legitimately dangerous in the playoffs, which of course pains me to say as a New York Giants enthusiast. But uh, I mean, Dak has been incredible. He's been better than Kyler over the second half of the season without a doubt. And I think that that continues. The receiving core is healthy now, at least relatively speaking for the Cowboys. I think they're going to continue to put up points. They're going to force Arizona to put up points to stay within striking distance in this game. And I think that we do get an over 51. And even at the current number of 52, I do think that we get there. Now, Sunday night football, again, a question of why, you know, why couldn't we flex this game? And the answer is Aaron Rodgers, at least in this case. There's a decent reason. But uh, Vikings, seven-point dogs at the Packers, total 46. And, you know, to be completely fair, I'm sitting here whining about the flex scheduling. Then I remember back, it was actually a really good game the last time these two teams played. So maybe some of my whining a little bit misguided here. See, this is a, you do a live show, you can catch yourself in the middle of maybe some superfluous whining like I just did. Uh, all right, I've talked myself back into it on Sunday Night Football. That was a really good game early in the season. It was 34-31, the Vikings won in Minnesota. I, of course, in my infinite wisdom, uh, I had the under. I think the under was like 47 and a half. Good job. Yeah, it would end up at uh, 34, 31. So not even close. Um, but this game, I think, could look a little different as you have Adam Thielen now done for the year for the Vikings. Dalvin Cook questionable for Minnesota. And I mean, Green Bay really operating on a higher level offensively as of late. Packers averaging just over 30 points per game, 33 and a third over their last three games. 
Minnesota in the mid-20s, but uh, that's not going to be good enough against the Packers with the way that they're playing right now and with the fact that they are at home are the Packers in this contest as opposed to Minnesota hosting the first leg of this season series. And extra motivation, right, for uh, Green Bay here. They control their own destiny for the one seed in the NFC. That is definitely significant. Uh, the Vikings, they're a game back of the seventh seed. Their playoff hopes really on life support at this point in time. You add on to this the fact that Kirk Cousins, he's playing at night, usually not a good recipe. I would lean toward the Packers here, but I don't want to uh, get too heavily involved. This is one of those where just because it's a night game doesn't mean you need to bet it. And uh, laying a full seven in a division game doesn't feel great to me. Probably going to pass but uh, I would lean toward the Packers just based off of what has changed for these teams since the last time that they've played. Now, Monday Night Football, that's what we're going to close it out with here on the Gridiron Betting Insights show. Browns-Steelers. Browns, three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, total 41. The big storyline in this game, is this going to be it for Ben Roethlisberger at Heinz Field? And he's saying, yeah, probably, he's saying he doesn't want to speak in absolutes. But uh, he should be speaking in absolutes. This should be it for him. He has not played very well. It is it is his time, as far as I'm concerned. But, of course, that's up to him. As for the game, I think, you know, there's going to be an emotion in that building if it's Ben Roethlisberger's last game. And not only is there going to be an emotion in that building, there's going to be an opponent in that building in the Cleveland Browns that just hasn't been that good moving the football. They, they just have not been. Lost to Green Bay on Christmas Day, and no shame in losing to the Green Bay Packers, of course. But it's been the offense that has been the problem for Cleveland throughout the season. Baker Mayfield, just not very precise with the football. Just not one of those guys you can trust. And, I mean, some pretty ugly stuff, right, this week coming out about Baker Mayfield. I mean, he talks about death threats and things like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, listen, that should never happen, regardless of how you feel about the way a football player is playing. But Baker Mayfield, I mean, definitely not delivering. And I'm, again, not saying that that justifies any sort of harassment. I would like to make that perfectly clear. But, uh, you know, that's just part of his story right now, right? I mean, the bad play has led to some terrible behavior from fans. And I think it just harkens back to the fact that Baker Mayfield just hasn't been very good this year. There's been talk about him being hurt throughout the season and him wanting to play through it, which is admirable, but ultimately kind of misguided in terms of giving your team the best chance to win. I think that the Steelers are going to win this game. I mean, they beat Cleveland on the road earlier this season. I think that they are going to do it again here um, in what should be Ben Roethlisberger's final home game. I think there's going to be a legitimate emotion in that building that is going to propel or an already good Steelers defense to play really well in this game. So I think that is your look at Monday Night Football, and I think that is your look at Week 17 of the NFL season here on the GBI show. And, you know, before we before we call it a night here, before we end the show, I guess some reflecting is in order. I mean, it is the end of 2021. This is the last show we will do. Uh, the podcast will go up on New Year's Eve. Of course, if you are checking out the show live on video, uh, you're getting it on December 30th. But either way, this is the last GBI show of 2021. The next time we talk will be... 2022. It'll be the first week of January, the last week of the NFL season. And I guess I'm reflecting, it's it's warranted, right? You know, you get to this part of the year and you start looking back at what a year it has been. And over the last couple of years, that's really been marred by all of the COVID stuff, right? I mean, it's it's been tough to look back at the last couple of years where hundreds of thousands of people who we either know or you know didn't know any of them, but either way, you know hundreds of thousands of people in this country and plenty more outside of this country are no longer with us. And it's just, you know, you got to be thankful for, of course, every day that we're here and able to do what it is we're doing right now. Just talking about football, enjoying football. Yes, of course, betting on football as well. But the fact that we are still able to, in these ridiculously difficult times that we're living through, Find some kind of joy, right? That's what this is all about. The ability to enjoy some things in the face of a world that can be really downright depressing at times. And to be able to share that with 
you all is really, really gratifying. Um, at the beginning of 2021, I was working a desk job and I was not happy. I was doing the sports gambling, handicapping content stuff in the middle of the night uh, on weekends, whenever I could find time, you know, it was a, it was a side hustle as they would say. And now at the end of 2021, I am no longer at that desk job. I walked out. I am now doing this grind, the sports gambling, the sports content grind around the clock. And I do mean around the clock. I have not stopped working on nights and weekends. Just now it's also what I'm doing during the day instead of working at some desk job. And I've got to say, without all of you supporting what it is we're doing here, both through this show, the podcast, going to the websites, um, you know, everything that we're doing to bring you this fun stuff. Uh, none of that would have been possible. You know, I'd still be at some sad desk job feeling bad about myself. So 2021, it's been a tough year for all of us. It has been a real challenge, just like 2020 was. But the fact that we're able to derive some enjoyment from what it is we're doing here, um, I cannot say enough how much it means to me. And I hope that it has brought some joy to you as well in some capacity, because I know just what a weird world we're living in right now. And I can't thank you enough for, uh, for welcoming me into your world for as long as you care to listen to these shows or read an article that I've wrote about gambling, whatever the case may be. Uh, thank you for what's been an amazing year and what I hope is another amazing year in, uh, in 2022. So with that, we are going to we're going to propose a toast. I'm not showing any uh, brand logos here. We're going to propose a toast. I'm going to open this as an energy drink, by the way. It's not a beer. It's a nutrition facts. It's a, it's an energy drink. Again, I'm not drinking alcohol in the air. But uh, to the end of 2021, to the start of 2022, uh, cheers and have an excellent new year. That is delicious. Uh, caffeine, a big reason why I'm able to do what it is that I'm doing here on the GBI show and beyond. So that'll do it for 2021 on the GBI show. Uh, Next week, it'll be 2022, and we will talk about week 18, the final week of the 2021 NFL season. Until then, have a safe new year because that's very important. Um, You know, use cabs if you're going out. If you're going out, be careful, not just in terms of the – alcohol consumption and the partying, but, uh, you know, all the COVID stuff still going on. Be careful with that. And once you're done, we'll see you next week in 2022 to talk week 18. Good luck on your NFL bets this weekend. Happy new year. We will see you next time here on the G.